a mirror will show you what's wrong, but you can't take the mirror off the wall and use it to fix anything, right? right. At that point, if your hair is messed up, you're going to have to use a comb, not the mirror to fix it. Exactly. Or it's going to get or it's going to get bloody, right? Welcome to Switching Lenses, a podcast that attempts to break down cultural assumptions and view those from a more biblical lens. I'm Josh Phillips, joined here by Shane Skirvin. Shane, what's going on, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, good, good. We don't actually have a new episode to record. We're actually going to pick up where we left off on the previous episode. We're going to go ahead and resume that a little bit. We thought we'd give a little intro here for maybe somebody that missed the previous episode or whatever. We're going to pick up right where we left off in discussing... Uh, the law, what we're supposed to do with it, how it affects us, and things like that. So we're going to go ahead and resume right now and pick up exactly where we left off. So here we go. Um, Israel's a nation into them, of, of themselves, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> what was the surrounding landscape like and all the other nations around them? Well, uh, it, <laughs> it was uh, a very dark pagan world around them. And by pagan, we mean, um, uh, so the biblical narrative would say God created the earth and he was the creator of, of all the earth and the creator of all the humans and, and every bit of, of the earth and in the universe. And so anything less than worshiping him, you're worshiping, worshiping a creation. And so every surrounding people group worshiped some, uh, idol, uh, some, uh, whether it's a person, an animal and some deity, uh, some kind yeah, yeah, spirit. And so, uh, something less than, uh, the creator God. And because that, and we're talking also a passage of time from when you said, um, Abraham's family went down to Egypt to when they came back up, we're talking about roughly 400 years. And so through this process of time, uh, they had became a very, every one of those societies had became in this area had became very degenerative. Everything was winding down uh, and became, uh, they were all deeply corrupt. And that's not just what the Bible narrative, the Bible narrative says that, but that's reflected in the fact of even the Romans um, in their great Punic Wars with the Carthaginians, the people of Carnath. Um, there was, uh, they, they said the idol worship in the, uh, society was deeply pay, uh, deeply, uh, corrupt. I mean, the Romans couldn't stand, uh, their enemies across the sea from them, which are actually some of the same neighbors, uh, that Israel had. Um, so, you know, it's, this is actually reflected in secular history, what had happened, the, the, the practices of these surrounding countries. So yeah, by all accounts, whether you're talking secular or you're talking the biblical narrative, it was a very dark neighborhood. Right, right. And so it was important for God to establish his people and keep them together and keep a society that could that could survive even around these 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 dark pagan cultures around them. And I it kind of reminds me uh <clears throat> I think some people not to get too much into um, although we do talk about culture on this episode, I mean, on this podcast, uh, a lot of the culture today, well, we'll go ahead and get into it. Why not? Uh, there's um, in the culture today, there's a lot of within the social justice and warriors and all that stuff about how there's a big question on borders of countries 
and people groups and interrelated people groups and dynamic, that whole dynamic right there. And, you know, we've had this conversation before, but I think everybody would agree with us on this. You know, it's, it's one thing when you establish a group of people who we're, we're all roughly on the same page. We've set, we have a set of laws that we're, you know, mostly in agreement with. I'm not going to say everybody agrees with every single law, but mostly in agreement with the set of laws. Everybody has a, a belief and a support for the system that's put in place. When you start bringing people in, which is fine, it's fine to bring people in. We're not making, it's not making that issue. But when the values come with it and the values contradict the values within your own system of order, there's a problem, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so that's kind of part of the reason... Uh, this law was set up, don't you? When you agree that was that these pagan cultures, this was like they're they're these these practices were were were, were death essentially. I mean, it's, it's, or or it would bring a uh, essentially. A, well, well, help me out here, Shane. Okay, the word I'm so, trying to use here. So, well, I mean, what I should be careful with what I'm saying. <laughs> they they say when uh, so the Aztecs in Mexico when Cortez, uh, a Spanish. So you you talk about someone. So you talk about these clash of worldviews or these two totally distinct perspectives meeting face to face. We say Cortez, um, a man from Europe, when he went to Mexico and was saw the Aztec. Uh, culture for the first time. They said when they were in the capital city of the Aztecs that there was the remains of a hundred thousand sacrificial victims to the Aztecs gods. And so literally they said the capital was soaked in blood. And, you know, you're seeing uh, just an, <laughs> I mean, these are the very issues of life and death. So you're seeing just complete, th- these aren't, you can't coexist and assimilate with people with, who have a radical different worldview, right? right? Right. Because I mean, you you could easily end up literally butchered for their god, mm-hmm. and so Israel was under great pressure. We we have to say, uh, in this time, Israel was under great pressure both from the threat of external uh, conquest, but also you know something that we have to mention also: these rituals were very sexualized. And yeah. there was a great, and they didn't put any demand, ethical ethical demand on the practitioners of these faith. So you're given something that looks so cheap and easy, right? Mm-hmm. You're given something that appeals to your base motives that doesn't cost you anything. And so there was a great temptation towards these versions of idolatry, as well as there was a constantly hung over your head. If you didn't join us, we might butcher you and take you anyways. So there was, there was pressure in two different directions for this society. Yeah. And so it was pretty complex to, yeah. to, to sum it all up, like keeping the, keeping the whole, keeping the nation together is tough. It's, I mean, it's that's all through human history. You can see that it's tough keeping, keeping a nation together, but many nations and people groups have been swept away. Yeah. They, they became extinct. Yeah. Um, so that was probably one one point. That's a good starting point, I think, for uh, the existence of the law. One thing that it brought. Um, I would go on to say that a second point was the the, the law really showed because the law was so difficult to keep. And if you read through it, there's six six hundred thirteen laws. And man, they're I mean, some they're very specific. Certain way of doing things. It's it's tough. It's really tough to live by. And 
I think, you know, one, one purpose of the law is it really shows who we are inside that we, we really have a, we have a, a very big problem inside of us. I really, I, I'm just convinced that regardless, even if you're a theist or a non-theist, can't you admit that there's, there's a, there's something wrong with us. There's a deep problem that we need an answer for. Going back to what I was saying earlier, why, why haven't, why haven't we gotten better? Why would through all the human experiences and the mistakes that have been made and the lessons, frankly, from the mistakes, why haven't we kept them? We have, we have this horrible problem that doesn't get any better by the passage of time or by any kind of intellectual knowledge or anything like that. It just, it's a continuing problem. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what the law goes ahead and tells you. This was, we could le- learn this, like you said, thousands of years ago, that this, it shows that there's a tragic flaw inside of humanity and something needs to be done about it. Yeah, especially, especially if you're going to live in close proximity, if you're going to be in a community. It's one thing if you're uh, a bunch of isolated, spread out uh, outpost, but if you're going to have any kind of close relationship or community, um, these tragic flaws that we have have to be restrained, right? Right. And people, you know, people always like to use the saying, the, the law was more of a mirror. It just showed you how dirty you were. It couldn't fix you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great, that's a great analogy. W- one thing when you raise up a moral law, which everyone, I mean, we recently, Josh, we were talking about watching Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson debate about, um, among other things, the existence yeah. of God, but also, but, but, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't both of them say you had to have a moral law? There had to be something. But both of them, in, in their own terms, yes, we're both. Yes, but I mean, they both agreed. Uh, they might not agree <laughs> uh, where exactly you you put the foundations. Right, right. Of this yeah. moral law, but both of them said you had to have it, some version of it, right? Both, both are making many moral claims, yes. Yeah, and so... Uh, how do you uh how do you so so you you said it very well a mirror will show you what's wrong but you can't take the mirror off the wall and use it to fix anything right right at that point if your hair's messed up you're gonna have to use a comb not the mirror to fix it exactly or it's gonna get or it's gonna get bloody right (laughs) and and so uh i think it's it's fascinating to look at um as you said the unchanging human nature that we there's no accountability there's uh without a moral law there's no meaningful existence. And so there's, there's no accountability. There's no any idea of uh, responsibility uh, towards your fellow man, or in this case, we talk about the biblical narrative or towards God. And so uh, I do think uh, that's a good point when you're bringing up the law to say exactly what a law can do and what it can't do, right? Right, right. And <clears throat> what's crazy about the law, like, yeah, not only does it show us that there's a, there's a distinct problem inside of all of us that we need a solution. Then Jesus comes around and people are saying, well, I keep the law. And he adds, he goes and adds a whole other layer to it and says, basically saying like, even if you're keeping the law, your heart is corrupt. You know, yeah, you say you don't murder anybody, but you, I say you have anger in your heart. Therefore, I, you, and you, you've committed murder in your heart. Yeah. So raising I, that, raising that level of accountability from your actions to your thoughts, right? Right. He just, he just shifted that <laughs> he he just shifted that accountability to much closer within us, right? Yeah. So even even if we thought we could keep the law, which I think a lot of people, as I understood, Pharisees, you know, they man, they were they did a pretty good job, as the Bible says. They were pretty good about. I mean, they weren't perfect, but they were pretty good about keeping the law. But then Jesus comes around and says, "This is all outward. Inside, you are a mess. You're an absolute mess inside." 
Yeah, he was dealing with motivation, not just yeah. uh, adherence. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We could again. We could we could rabbit trail big time there. But yeah, the point was is that the law really just shows how 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 dark our hearts are and how corrupted we really are inside. And a lot of people don't like to hear that, but I mean, it's it's again, if you're if if you're if you're gonna be a realist and look through human history, it's 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 all throughout. It's all throughout human history. Well, and you ignore it to your peril. If you, if you forget that in all of us, um, there's a temptation for selfishness and darkness, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be surprised. <laughs> you're right. going to surprise that other people's behavior, or you're going to be surprised at your own, but it will catch up to you one way or the other. Like right. you said, all we have to do is point to history. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's written in blood. Yeah. yeah. So question for you, Shane, what did the law solve the problem? Uh, no, but it did directly show you that there was a problem. Yes. Which is, which, which, which we say, we'd say you can't ever look for a solution if you don't realize you have a problem, right? Right. So it did bring, it did establish that there is a problem, but then, you know, I think, uh, I think it's worth repeating too, that the law never stood alone. I mean, even in, uh, as soon as the law was given, there was always given a way to be put back in right relationship with God, right, Josh? Yeah, it's very important to bring that up. Yes, there was um, the law wasn't a means of let's see if you can keep this, and if you don't, the hammer's coming down on everybody that messes up. And no, there was there was there was always a redemptive side to it. There was the the, the many offerings that you could offer up to make yourself right with God. Sacrifices. Sacrifices, yes. A sacrifice was necessary. Yeah. Which says that it shows you um, how serious the infraction is. If something had to die, it shows you that it was whatever. What what, what does it say in the biblical uh, narrative? It says that the uh, sin causes death, right? Right. So if you sin, then there has to be a death. And so um, I, I think which is fascinating to see is that the law was never given without a way to bring you back into right standing with it. And, and that is completely lost on these atheist uh, objections. They just point at the law and its penalties without ever looking at the mm-hmm. aspect that there was redemption built within. I was just about to bring that up. The, the idea that these punishments were horribly grotesque and these sick things, it's, it's when you, yeah, when you isolate that and look at only at that, yeah, I can see why you, I can see why you come with that. Two modern ears, two modern ears. What is that? Two modern ears, right? I mean, you, we're separated by years and culture, different language. So to our ears, these mm-hmm. punishments look uh, even rougher. True. Yeah. Yeah. Especially isolated, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's important to whenever you're talking about when you're, when, when you're gonna when you're gonna impart justice into these scriptures, it's important to know that there, like you said, there was there was there there was a sacrifice system in place to redeem. That it wasn't just this hard nose one strike you're out kind of thing. It's not that at all. No, right? in fact, it was to drive you to the place of sacrifice. Right. Right. That it wasn't. It wasn't even. Um, I mean, it was always to point you back to getting into right standing with God. Uh, the right. sacrifices were set up to go, they were going to set up to 
operate no matter what every year. Right. And it, it, it's a two-part argument, right? It's it's two mm-hmm. parts. It's we we have this horrible condition. We have this horrible problem, which a lot of people don't like to admit, but we have this horrible problem. But there's also there's also uh, hope. There's also yeah. redemption within this. And I think when you can look at it within that context, you view the law a lot differently. It's a lot yes. different. Yes. And, and, and it, it was... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I keep interrupting you. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, having that kind of humbleness, um, the humbleness of knowing, like, I'm, I have a severe problem inside and, and approaching it that way, as opposed to a lot of modern atheists and even maybe even some Christians that are just like, well, you know, I'm mostly a good person. So I don't, I don't really accept this whole idea of I have this horrible, horrible, I may have a small problem, but I don't have a horrible problem. I think without that humbleness, it, it, it kind of blinds you a little bit to these laws, I think. Well, and that's what I, I actually like about the um, the part, even though this is going to sound uh, pretty serious, but the fact that you had to watch an animal die in your place yeah. drives drives the point home that what you're doing, your sin is pretty wicked and it's separating you from God, right? That's, it doesn't, that's, is, there, is there a more graphic reminder? That's, a, that's, a, that's actually a great point. It's a great point. You know, um, we love listening to the, the Bible Project. And I was listening to one of their uh, podcasts too. And they were saying he was, we were talking about eating meat. And they're like, you know, one of the guys in there said, you know, a lot of meat eaters, they should probably go at least one time in their life, go slaughter an animal. Uh, and just so you can see what actually goes on into that process. But, you know, we think back, you know, during these times, they did a daily basis. They were numb to the whole thing. So, but yeah, but if you, uh, especially, yes, modern, moderns, you know, if we actually saw death occur on our part, we might view it a lot differently. Yes, which brings which brings us to, I think, one thing that's an aspect of sacrifice that people might not realize. Because the whole idea, so many modern people, when we look back, and like you said, even Christians, we look back at the law and sacrifice. We don't realize the role that faith was still playing. So, you know, when we talk about Abraham given this promise that one day through his bloodline, um, a person would come, a savior to uh, bring the entire world back to relationship with God. Um, he, it says that Abraham, because he believed what God told him, was saved by that fact. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we believe uh, that in, when Christ uh, came, that you have to appropriate what he did for you by faith, right? Right. And so uh, you have made the point in the past, Josh, that those are the two bookends of the Judeo-Christian revelation or or the Christian faith is that it starts with faith and it ends in faith. Right. And so we would be we would go amiss if we didn't look at with the law and the sacrifice system. If you're going to have an animal die in your place, it literally by definition you're doing it by faith. Because you're believing that what you did, your wrongdoing, that it's transferred to this animal, and this animal's dying in your place so that you can live. So because there's, the bio, there's the a Bible faith that say, yeah the Bible does say that the the wages of sin are death. Yes, so, so death is still necessary. Being met. Yes, so death is yes exactly. So there's a consistency, and uh, to this this system or this revelation that e- even though it takes on what would appear to be radically different 
um, aspects, it's still keeping the spirit. It's of, actually, as the word is, you know, there's this idea, the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, the letters being the specifics and the spirit being the principle that is behind the specifics. And so, you know, the spirit of the revelation that the just shall live by faith um, is met in every aspect, whether it's Abraham's promise, whether it's Moses giving the law and a sacrificial system to put you in right standing with God, or if it's believing that Jesus' atonement is for um, for you and for your particular uh, needs, you know, there flowing through that whole revelation is the spirit of faith, right? Would you would you say that, Josh? Yeah, 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 and uh, and really, our our kind of just kind of sort of bringing this to a little more of a close here and we'll kind of transition our last point here is, and you've, you've, you've been hinting at this this whole time, not hinting, you've said it. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the law really, it points towards Jesus, that this, the sacrifice system, this, this uh, solution to this horrible, horrible problem we have within humanity this is all going to point towards Jesus, which is going to take us to our last segment here, which is Shane, what do we do with the law today as modern Christians? How do we approach this law? That's we this in our in our Old Testament. Do we do we ignore it? We had, some would say you don't even need that. You don't even need to read the Old Testament anymore. Or some might even like kind of shrink that down and just say, well, you, the law just ignore the law. That's Old Covenant. Jesus came. We don't need that at all anymore. Or some people would hold to it. Shane, how do we start us off here? How do we? How do we so, approach that? Yeah, I, I think you said it well to say, is it your foundation or is it your enemy, right? It, it, what, what level do you uh, look at it? We all have to, every person that um, is a Christian or considering the truth claims of Christ has to say, what the, what is the context in which he came? And so if you're looking at his life at any level, you're going to have to say, um, you know, what did, uh, you're going to have to answer questions about this culture and this country and these this law that he came from and that he said that he himself that he fulfilled this law and so uh I, this is a question that that all of us at some point have to wrestle with what is our relationship uh to it and i would say i and i think you you pointed this out you're not gonna unless you see the gravity the seriousness um the no pun intended the grave nature <laughs> of our offense you know, you're not gonna, um, you're not gonna see the need for a savior. You know, I, I uh, fell on deaf ears when I ever heard anything about Christ because I wasn't looking for Christ. It was only when I was honest about my great debt and the situation I was in that I was looking around for, for a way out, a redemption, something to bring me back. And so I, I my personal opinion, and I, I would believe that this is the this is the uh, a lot of um, I think a lot of Christians ascribe to this view is this is the foundation. So it's something that is uh, describes the problem that it is uh, the need that the law describes is perfectly met in Christ, and so uh, it, it can appear it can seem like somewhat of a paradox but it fits within uh, the spirit of the revelation like we're talking about. It is entirely needed, but it, Jesus, when his, uh, his sacrifice fully meets the demands of the law. So the law then at that point 
um, nearly has pointed to Christ is fulfilled in Christ. And then at that point, the law isn't saving us. It brings us revelation of uh, God's wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, it, is how I look at it. You see godly wisdom reflected through the law that all of us would be wise to pay attention to these restraints on human behavior because it's pointing to the need for Christ that Christ mm-hmm. meets, but then we're still saying what Christ did for us was fulfill the law. So the law was right in what it was pointing at. So, you know, it gives us a direction for every everyone's life. It gives right. us what is what is what needs have to be met, it clearly points to. You know, right. so I, I I think as far as looking at it as as a great teacher, it both teaches us about Christ, but it also teaches us what Christ did for us. Thus, it teaches us um, the uh, correct way to look at life. So I think it's a great teacher, I, but I, it is not something that saves us. It never stands. The law never stands without a sacrifice. Right. Yeah. I mean, you bring great points up. Jesus never did away with the law. He can't, he said, like you said, he came to fulfill it. And, and you know, and even in, in Matthew, uh, was it Matthew 5? Yeah, my, Matthew 5, 17 through 19. You know, he talks about the law won't go away, and the, not one letter of it will go away. And, you know, he came. I said it's not going away. I came to fulfill it. Yet at the same time, what you're saying was Paul repeatedly through Romans said the law is not going to save you, but yeah, there's there's a wisdom in it, but it's not a means of salvation specifically. Yeah, it's a guide as a teacher. It's a guide for right living, but it's not um, that it's not something that you can look to to make you right. Right, but it it's a guide for right living. You know, I I think it's really important to pay attention. I mean, look at the beauty of the law. There's two aspects uh, that I love. The law teaches you not to curse the deaf. It teaches you not to put a stumbling block before the blind. You know, I mean, all of us know that that that's just great wisdom, right? Yeah, yeah. How you treat people. You know, none of us would say, well, if you follow those laws, then you're going to be a perfect guy. But all anyone everywhere can look at that and take away um, great aspects for living, great mm-hmm. uh, instruction. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, too, that Jesus basically summed up the whole law, right? He said, yeah. there's two commands. Love the Lord with all your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. With these two commands, hang all the laws of the prophets. And so it's it's interesting. Now that's a, that's complex, though. What are you saying? It, I, it sounds simple because it's two things. But to truly love God uh, and love your neighbor truly as you love yourself um, is complex. But it's interesting that in those two satisfies the entire law. Right there, and and I and I think too um, that speaks more again to Jesus was after our hearts when he says when he puts it in those terms. I think, and so. you know what I I love how that statement that you just said that it roots loving your neighbor as yourself in the idea of loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you take away that first yeah. uh, statement and you're just left with love your neighbor as yourself, what's the first uh, thing that everyone looks at? Says who? Yeah. The authority of the second one, which we all would say, no matter what your belief would say is good, it's rooted in the fact of the first one. Right. So the authority of the second one, if you want to have the second one to love your neighbors yourself, you're never going to have that unless it's rooted in the unquestioned, transcendent nature of God. 
So I, I, I really, I think it's worth pointing out what has stood the test of time, what has been around for thousands of years. It's that it's a, a transcendent moral order rooted in the character of God. You yeah. know, so that, that I, I love that, that, uh, like you said, that statement sounds simple, but it's actually, yeah. it's actually very deep, right? It's very nuanced for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, that about wraps us up, I think, here. I think we did a pretty good job of handling those two popular misconceptions. You know, the one is is the law a rule book for us? And is, you know, the punishments we see in the law, are these like sick, horrible, unjust things? And I think we did a pretty good, I think we addressed it, don't you feel? I think we, we, we yeah. I feel like we went pretty long. I don't have a timer with me, so I'm not sure how long <laughs> this is, but I feel like we've been going a long time on this. So... It's a big subject, though. It's a big subject. It really is. We wanted to address this on the last podcast as a, a sub point. Like maybe we should talk about the importance of the law before we get into stoning your children and all that stuff. And I was like, well, I might go on a big tangent. That's probably a podcast episode in and of itself. And here we are. We we did it, and I, we could probably keep going if we wanted to. But um, I think we'll wrap it up there. It's getting late. I know I'm getting tired, and who knows what I'm gonna say if this goes any longer. <laughs> so the same to you, I'm sure. So yeah. Well, well, Shane, thanks for joining me tonight and tackling this difficult subject. And no problem, Josh. Yeah, and remember always you can always contact us on Twitter at Lenses Switching. That's gonna wrap it up for us. We'll see you guys next time on our third part of Answering the Atheist. Goodbye. All right.